So, here's the setup. I was silencer. This asshole was, uh, am I allowed to swear on this? Yeah. Sweet. This, great. This asshole was vengeful spirit. Uh, his friend was some other really, really, uh, fragile support character. Uh But, like, I had to go mid, because we only had me and one other person that could conceivably carry. And I was going off, facing off against a, uh, shadow fiend, and I was ruining him. He wasn't getting any last hits, none of that shit. But he kept using his rays to, like, bring me low, so I really needed my bottle. I got my money for my bottle, and he starts calling the fucking courier. And I'm like, leave it alone. Blah, blah. Courier fight. And then he comes to mid lane and starts, like, being a pain in the ass. I'm out last hitting him. Blah, blah, blah. This asshole starts raging hardcore. <laughs> and then he starts just ruining everything. And so I'm like, fuck it. I finish building my force staff. He, like, move clicks me, so he just follows me around. So, like... <laughs> He would just, for like five solid minutes, he would just follow me around. But then I did something where I would like force staff him onto like the ward spot high ground. Uh huh. <laughs> but he was still paying attention enough to like alt swap me back. And I was like, fine. I'm stuck here for 20 seconds while my force staff cools down. But he, was, he would just like, apparently he was raged hard enough that he would just sit as computer and watch his character follow me around. And then force swap me if it was ideal. I just don't. It's just like, <laughs> like do people not have better things to do? Especially in ranked games, people pull that kind of stuff. And right, I don't it's, understand. It's like if you want to, fine. Like you can go AFK. I'll lose the game. I don't care. Right. Like, fine. But you're gonna sit there and just waste your time. Until you can find a perfect opportunity. So then I bought Blink Dagger and I was like, you're not going to swap me into your like 4v1 die fests. <laughs> I was like, I know you're going to try, but you're not going to get me. So. Did I talk about that uh, how to feed guide or how to troll on Dota guide on Reddit? Like they're, they're saying, I think, that Keeper of the Light's probably one of the best people to do it with because you just like recall people and the things. And... Yeah, IO is another good one, I think. Yeah, I O definitely too. Yeah, I, I just forgot about the turning off uh, help button. I did it at the end, but if I had done it any earlier, it would have been fine. Right. Yeah. It would have been funnier because then she would have been fucking stuck. But whatever. Well, what matters is that you have fun with the game. Like even when you lose, sometimes you know it just you still had fun losing. It's it's fun. It's just like I'm waiting for uh, one of my friends to move back from Chicago because then then we'll probably see a lot more play. How long have you been playing Dota? Oh god, questions I don't want to answer. <laughs> Probably two years. How many hours would you say that Steam would say that you have logged into? How many hours would Steam say I've played? I've I've got over fifteen hundred matches, man, and I'm still bad. I just don't have the humility to actually like sit down and be like, "Oh, here's how you get better." <laughs> right. I feel like there's always a disparity between like the level of the players that you're playing in Dota. Also, like you may think you're good for a while, and then you go up against someone that's just Right. You're going against teams, really, right? You're not just going up against individuals. So, If you're in a team, you're likely to be in a, like a, a mirrored team. So if you're like three and a two, chances are your opponents will be three and two. Yeah. I, I've noticed that, at least. I'm pretty sure that fits into their algorithms. They have enough people playing. They can do whatever the fuck they want.
to The Gamers Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Vasquez, and joining me for the first time this week is Connor. Hi, that's me. And Sean. Hey, guys. Let's start with Ashley Madison. I feel like that's a little bit more enticing. Okay. (laughs) So we wanted to talk about Ashley Madison and the uh, hack or non-hack, whatever we want to call it. Uh, we're not entirely sure We're yet, not even entirely believe. sure. Yeah. Um, well, kind of hack is they compromised 10 gigabytes worth of data, and that's compressed. So they got all that data somehow. It, it was a hack, but was it like a digital hack or was it like a person hack? Yeah, the we, I mean, the information we got, it, say, it sounds like it was like a, a phishing, phishing, email, a phishing on an email on an employee. So they really just had the employee's info, login info, and then that was how they were able to get into... I guess the Ashley Madison's. I've done database. some Googling and I haven't gotten like a confirmed answer on mm-hmm. this. And it may be something that they're not even showing. Right. But like by the sounds of it, they, they had like a, this to have this much information. They must have had admin access of some sort. Um, if, you, if you fish someone, you exfiltrate all that data. I'd still consider it a hack. Right. So, okay. It's a hack by, the definition of the fact that they compromised the system completely. The question yes, is how they accomplished that. Right. So, uh, but yeah, it's it was kind of impressive. Um, what's really funny is that they had that $19 delete, like, all of your contact feature, and apparently they weren't deleting the data at all. So. Okay. Well, they were, so they were, but they weren't deleting the credit card information. So or the address, just, right? Right. That's so, cool. like, the, the info associated with the credit card wasn't deleted, so, I mean, essentially, you were deleting, like, your email address, but you weren't deleting your name and your credit card info, so... And that kind of comes down to, like, I mean, even if they were... They were deleting information from their forward-facing, like, website. It didn't necessarily mean that they were deleting information from their, like, back-end database. Right. So, it's... They could have... It could have been one of those things where, like, Facebook retains all of your information. You sign off and you say, delete my fucking Facebook profile. Your Facebook profile is sitting there just waiting for you to be like oh my new year's resolution is over with i want facebook back and i'm pretty sure it's probably similar for although, ashley madison or whatever right although there were there, there was debate over what exactly that delete meant because they claimed it was a full delete and so like the terms of agreement okay. like they they are looking into it because it could it could mean whole bunch of lawsuits you would but... think that they would have been done a better job with their lawyers but you know apparently they didn't educate all of their employees that well well i mean mark. I, well i don't know i mean they they may have like very thorough terms of like terms of agreement whoever like, reads those anyway let's be honest yeah so i mean if you know they may have it stipulated in there that oh yes it's a delete but it's still in our, our database it's a delete from the front end website they were fine printing the part where they said you have to pay us 20 bucks to get rid of your name and information it's pretty so like pretty for, exploitative like yeah i mean the entire business model was like i'm gonna help you have sex with people but if somebody comes a knocking you're gonna have to pay me to keep me quiet like mm-hmm. it was sketchy as hell from the first and i mean i i said this earlier um like in terms of screwing a company for like fucking up privacy issues i really am not super concerned with it being Ashley Madison like like the heart of me the person that's like you know the true idealist would probably say you know nobody deserves quite anything but if someone's gonna get thrown under the bus the (laughs) skeezy ass people who are like 
exploiting their own customers and then the customers who are using an online database to cheat on their spouses. I'm not a perfect human. I'm okay with a little bit. <laughs> so, you know. I'm in that boat either. Like, that's how most people feel, so. Yeah, I don't think there's a particularly unique approach to the situation, but it's, oh, it's funny as all hell. It really is. And it's kind of scary because they actually have websites popping up where you can just like put in someone's email address and see if they're in the leaked data. So, so the, big, the big issue there is there's a lot of people who are um, unwittingly compromised because they didn't sign up for someone but, or for this website where they say they didn't. And, you know, somebody else somewhere else, because the only reason you need the uh, email supposedly is for things like uh, if you want to recover via your password. Right. Um, so you can enter some other random person's email, and if you forget the password, you're just like shit out of luck. But you know now that person's in the database or whatever, um, and you're not going to bother paying twenty bucks to clear their name. Mm -hmm. um, but on the flip side of that, like a huge number of people use their fucking government emails. <laughs> yeah, that's just... <laughs> it makes you wonder if someone did that, like, spitefully against certain government people, or... Yeah, that would be kind of funny. I mean, it, it, like, the, the search site that, like, states, like, be skeptical of these emails because some people, especially if they have a common name, might, you know, have had their email used right. without their knowledge. So but, there was also one on, like, uh, Reddit r slash... Uh, T-I-F-U, today I fucked up, uh, where somebody's like, I fucked up by signing for, up for Ashley Madison six years ago, um, and I met my current, like, fiancé slash wife-to-be in three weeks, three years ago, <laughs> and I never, I never thought about it again. I was just using it as a typical dating website, and it's like... You used Ashley Madison as a typical lady, but anyway, the yeah, point I is, know that. <laughs> he, he clearly fucked up. Like, well, I mean, it, if his story is true, which it's going to be really hard for him to falsify if it's not, because okay. like six years ago is you know you're you're going to either have records or not, but like, I don't know, just the things that people do for karma too. You wonder if that even actually happened. Probably not. You know, so. it's Reddit, but it, at the same time, it's like. You know, there's there's people have all sorts of stories involved here. They do, yeah. And then, you know, God forbid, for some reason, maybe there's people in open relationships that are like, oh, I wish to use Ashley Madison. Uh, maybe because they don't want to deal with somebody, like, expecting emotional attachment or whatever. Um, but then it's kind of like you're... Eh, maybe you should watch where you stick it and by who you're letting, like, by who you are associating with people that you're going to stick it in. You know, had any of you ever actually heard of that site before this leak? Like, oh, I, I had. Oh, definitely. Really? Yeah. As like being like, why the fuck would anybody use this? Like, is it just for straight people or gays use it too? I honestly have no clue. Okay. It's just like one of those things where it's like sketchy ass things that become valid business models. Oh yeah. Yay capitalism! I guess I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he'll, the CEO like always likes to say, like, we're doing nothing illegal here. Like, You know that that company is, like, truly a paragon of yeah. morality when that's their mantra. Right. Um, <laughs> nothing we're doing is technically illegal. Yeah. Um, also, what was funny is that Josh Duggar had an account 
he's probably he's probably only the first one to be discovered or probably i mean he can't be the only one out of 30 million people to fuck up but 32 million isn't it you mean like famous people yeah yeah Uh, i'm sure there's some other celebrity on there but it is really funny just i mean the classic other people are fucking up the sanctity of marriage (laughs) <laughs> and wasn't he like molesting kids or something yep. like yeah. yeah that's that was, he he was soliciting like he solicited like five girls um for sex underage girls like how many children does he have i don't no wait isn't he like one of the s- children or is he the father what <laughs> i don't know there's so many duggers i don't know which one's which <laughs> i thought he had like 19 kids yeah. Let me. Yeah. It's so, 19 gigs and counting. That was the. So they have more right, than 19 okay. now, but like. Oh, dear God. <laughs> yeah. This is one of those things. Man, I only get to say this because it's a gamer podcast, but like, there's times where like the straight way of doing things is only like you're you're squishing a whole bunch of people into a box, and a lot of those people don't fit. And then, four of whom. Sorry, four. I found out. Oh, so God. four out of the five were his own sisters. Oh, oh, that's so that's so disgusting. It is, yeah. I, but like, you have this concept of like monogamous marriage, and you just like plop it down, and you're like, religion or whatever, and it's an excuse to make everybody follow it, or like, conventional social customs, and it's like, okay, fine, that works for a lot of people, sure, but there's a huge number of people for whom it is an issue and the thing is that's like for gay people or for straight people or for people of any particular indicator Mm -hmm. like you you can't just arbitrarily assign all these rules and assume that it's going to work for everyone and you know maybe maybe in like a society where like this wasn't an issue or like the priority was open discussion between spouses Maybe this could have come to a happy ending. Maybe one that involved therapy or whatever. But, like, how can you really make... How can you really follow the justification that, like, X group of people, even if they're not following the rules that you assign, are screwing up an institution where it's clear that other people are screwing up in a way that's, like, not even just by the letter, not following what you want, but also injuring other people severely. And, like... There's no way to argue child child molestation isn't completely injurious to these four, like, girls or women or whatever age they are, because apparently this family has been having children for far too long. Like, it's just a joke. It's just a nonsensible argument. It is. Like, religions claim more lives in history than anything else, so it's just... (laughs) It's, it's silly. And, you know, I, th- I think Alaska has it right. I was reading the other day that in Alaska, a certain time of the year, they all get in open relationships. They have, like, ice wives or whatever, right? And it's okay. Like, <laughs> what is Wait, what? Is this, like, everyone in Alaska does this? Well, not everyone. Like, Alaska's just, a weird place, though. I've learned this much. Alaska ice wives. Ice this sounds... Are you sure this isn't, like, an MTV thing? Maybe it was on the onion, and I just didn't check it. <laughs> yeah, maybe this one. <laughs> check your source, please. So, like, it's, it's, I'd like to credit, like, this isn't necessarily a default issue with religion. There are plenty of, like, there are plenty of modern religions. I don't think there's any historically, like, religions that have really nailed this. I mean, I don't know. It depends on if you consider, I don't really know the tenets of, like, Hinduism or Buddhism, but, like, maybe they have it right. I don't technically know for sure. But certainly, like, Catholicism has an issue with this, like, most of the sects of Christianity do, 
but like yeah. modern religions can get it right and like that's not necessarily a fault but like they need to necessarily a religion only works if it's at adi- like it will only work for a large number of people if it's, if it's adaptive much the way society is adaptive society has ills that it's not like properly grappled with like trans issues for one like we're kind of getting there but like it takes time okay i do not see anything about ice wives uh, <laughs> it's somewhere i'm, I'm trying snopes to it. this is this is something you need to check snopes i believe like like i'm googling ice wives alaska ice wives and like okay. nothing is coming up we're, we're gonna consider this like uh, a sean falsitude right now um, I'm gonna find it. It's like it's basically like swingers, you know. And I cannot. Yeah, yeah. I just don't know if it's like a by state thing. And I know that they didn't mean everyone in the last. So. Okay. So Sean has sent us a link from StraightDope.com about authority. <laughs> yes. No. 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 I. We can let other people credit whether StraightDope.com is a credible res- resource or not. Um. So it was for Eskimos. I yeah, and apparently they don't do this anymore. Yeah, it was just a thing that happened in the past. Fair enough. Do Eskimos, like, were they native to Alaska? I, I was kind of under the impression it was like a northern Canadian thing. I, I guess Alaska kind of is almost indifferentiable from Canada at large. <laughs> but, like, it, there's parts of Alaska that are so far north that they're basically inhospitable, aren't they? Like, yeah, I don't know. the same with Canada. Well, it's, yes, but I, I don't... They're the indigenous people who have traditionally inhabited that area, like Siberia and Alaska, so... Okay, that's fair. I didn't know that fact at all. Um, that's an interesting one. How anyway, would... anyway yeah. apparently wife lending is something that is a, a concept, uh, I want to say, in certain cultures. Yep. We'll, we'll call it that. I'm not going to read this entire article right now, but... Oh, no, no. The cool thing about Ashley Madison, the cool thing, the cool thing, is that for some naive person like myself, it's kind of interesting to look at uh, how these sort of like security vulnerabilities are in place. And I know, I know that like, uh, if it was done by phishing email, it technically wasn't. Uh, it wasn't like a security. It wasn't fault. a security fault. Well, as much there, as it was well, somebody making a screw up. Right. Although, like... How do you fall for a phishing email in 20 goddamn 15? Yeah, especially if you're, like... Doesn't that go straight to your, like, Gmail trash? Yeah, shouldn't it? I don't know. Like, I, yeah. uh, that's fascinating. It's just, it, there's still idiots on the internet. Look at all the Nigerian... <laughs> <laughs> I still get those. I get those, like, five a day sometimes. Especially, like, the Viagra ones. And I'm like, man, you have not tailored your attacks at all. <laughs> like... I'm 25. I'm not really in need of Viagra. Thank you. But anyway, um, they did kind of release the security. From what I understand, they released the security architecture. Mm-hmm. And this sort of like, my boyfriend Jason loves talking about like various uh, vulnerabilities and such. And like talking about things like Heartbleed, he could go on and on. And honestly, like half the time I'm like, I'd. I don't have the attention span for it. I'm a very, very low attention span person. But, like, especially with Ashley Madison, before I understood, before I guess I heard that it was probably a phishing email, like, watching how some of these, like, securities work out is fascinating. Um, Just from, like, a sort of, like, 
even below script kitty level of understanding. Oh yeah. I didn't know Jason was in cybersecurity. I guess he's Navy or how No, no, no. He doesn't do it. He's he is a graduate student in uh, biochemistry. I see. So he does like DNA folding shit. And that's about as much as you're ever going to get me to understand. Um, but he follows all sorts of blogs and stuff about this. And like, like he has his own RSS feed that collates all this data. And like when Heartbleed came out, he was like in his element for like weeks at a time. And then this happened and he's like, oh, look, you can look at all their architecture and stuff. And then he talks about these new vulnerabilities that get discovered. And it's kind of interesting that like, you kind of, as a naive person, you sort of look at how uh, your sort of internet resources are set up, and you know there are vulnerabilities. You know places, places get hacked, Target gets hacked occasionally. But it's kind of like not, it doesn't feel like immediately impingent until you realize that basically everything you do is a Swiss cheese of holes. And the only defense you have that amounts to anything is that you are so irrelevant that nobody has bothered to hack into your computer. <laughs> and it's like a pure thing of numbers that like some high school student student hasn't like hacked into your computer. It's because you live around so many other people. But like you know, every, everything has a vulnerability. If it doesn't have any vulnerabilities, it's because it's air gapped. And that's kind of how it like works out in cybersecurity. There's no way to thoroughly protect yourself. There is no metric for security, really. It's just like no one's found any vulnerabilities in this yet. That's what that's all you have. Yeah, for. yet is the key word. Yeah, and that's I've been trying to drag this back like that's as a naive person like the, it's the sort of game that makes this interesting to me as all things need to be games to be interesting to me <laughs> um like hacknet um not to be confused with hack, which is a different game from like long ago i think like 90s maybe is it the card game NetHack? no 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 ago in the 90s no NetHack like used to be a terminal game i don't like about now you it was like a dungeon delver game and like you could do all sorts of random obscure shit and you could like summon demons and then order them to do weird things like i've never played that hack but i've heard stories it's one of those like fundamental games that defined a genre and net hack kind of like defined sort of like i don't know the sort of dwarf fortress adventure mode like i can do anything i want and weird shit will spiral out from it like type of game i'm not even sure what that's even technically called Right. I don't think it falls into roguelikes because roguelikes are kind of a little more constricted, but sort of related to that. It says it's a roguelike video game on Wikipedia. Yeah, it? I I mean roguelike I think is defined a lot. Depends on who you talk to. There's roguelikes and there's roguelike likes, but like a lot by randomness and permadeath I think are the big ones and a sense of progression. Those are the big three tenants. Mm -hmm. But I think NetHack has even more than that. It's like this open world crap. Um. Well, not open world, but like all this, it's it's got a level of interactivity that is, they were the people that coined the phrase, the developers think of everything. If yeah. you look that up on TV tropes, like you do some obscure ass shit and they beat you to it. <laughs> Something specific will happen. Um, but anyway, that's not the game I'm talking about. Hacknet is a game which is like, uh, it's basically you play from a terminal and you're, you're a script kitty. Like, there's, don't pretend you're a hacker because you're just using pre-made programs or whatever. And like, even those are simplified. But it's kind of like a puzzle game, more or less. Um, and it's fun in the way that like you're sort of attacking computers in this very, very abstracted sense. Very, very simplified sense. Um, but like 
close enough to reality that you're like, you go on YouTube and you're like, I want to crack an SSH port. How do you do that? And like YouTube will show you how to make that step from like video game naivety to like actually doing some script kitty stuff. So I'm guessing Hacknet has some sort of password cracking stuff. Is that what, why you were talking about trying to crack SSH? Well, here's the thing. It, it gives you it gives you like .exes that you're supposed to run in certain situations that force ports open. Um, so you'll you'll run a crack on an SSH port, and in reality, what you would need in order to actually crack that port and to get the password is you would need a program and then a text file which has seed words, mm-hmm. and the program will run through iterations off those seed words intelligently in some fashion. Right. Someone's designed this. Someone who is not a script kitty. Um, and, you know, the game just says, okay, run this .exe and it'll open the port. Like, that's as simple as it gets. But it's not that much more complicated to actually do that thing in real life. Right. So the thing is, like, it's close-ish. It's enough of a game that it's, like, it's more of a puzzle game, really. Um, but it... All it would take is that one step of I need to learn how to do this one vulnerability, and you could end up getting upgrading yourself to Script Kitty, like levels. And they actually did in a study of, I remember seeing this, and as with all things I say, I could take this with a level of, like a grain of salt. But um, they did a study of some number of uh, college students at some university, and that something like twenty three percent of kids have like actually done some level of script kitty hacking and they right. consider it easy that's a completely different thing from designing your own mm-hmm. um vulnerability like programs it's an exploit yeah right but that's... known exploits most things have vulnerabilities to known exploits and ssh would be one of those like usual things um but the game the game is cool in the sense that like it's game enough that you're not like going nuts trying to open these ports and stuff but it plays out like a puzzle Mm-hmm. And so certain things are open to you and certain things are not, but it also teaches you sort of um, how like the general framework of cybersecurity in real life. It's, it's cool where games can sort of like, if anybody said I hack a computer, I, my, my vision of hacking as of last week would have been like a nineties movie version <laughs> of it. And like having seen this game, I get a better kind of concept. It's, it's educational in a weird way. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was cool. So if you ever if you ever are interested in sort of like terminal based uh, simulators, uh, I would definitely look into Hacknet. It's a fun one. Sean, how much did you watch the TI? I watched uh, most of the main event matches and just like a random smattering of some of the other matches I was interested in. Mostly, I just wanted to see how Secret was doing. So right, were you no, were you a Secret fanboy? I was, yeah. Yeah, I didn't have like a preferred team, but man, when C Deck started like tromping shit, you couldn't not you couldn't not root for C Deck when they made first of all when they made the upper bracket. That was already impressive. Oh yeah. And then they can they went on to they didn't lose anything until they uh, I think lost. It was either the semifinals or like the actual finals where they started losing anything. Right. They totally came out of nowhere too, right? Like I'd never heard of them until then. Right. I'm, I'm trying to get my roommate to send me information about like how the wild card teams were chosen. Was it the compendium that chose them? Uh, I don't know about them, but what I do know is I was looking on Notabuff, like as I was like looking at the TI5 stuff, and I saw it aggressive on C deck had the best kill death assist ratio on there. It was like 700. 
22 or something ridiculous. I don't know what that value went, meant, but... Yeah, C-Deck, C-Deck didn't lose any games in the main bracket until the grand finals. They went 2-0 on C9, they went 2-0 on LGD, they went 2-0 on EG, and then EG had to fight their way through, I guess, one game in the lower bracket in order to come back, and then they came back and trounced C-Deck 1-3. to Yeah. Actually, I got a new respect for EG. Like, I never really cared for them much as a team, and Fear did some really good plays there. So did Ali, but... Yeah. You know, yeah. like... It it just honestly though like those last brackets it kind of felt like C deck was getting challenged and they kind of fell apart, like yeah. that especially that you know what is it they call it the six million dollar Echo Slam, yeah, like how did they not see that coming? Honestly, I don't know. I think they might have even had wards, but <laughs> yeah, I just I like I would have been like, and this happens to me all the time. And I'm like, we're in Roche, we're gonna get ganked. It's like someone's gonna come in and wreck our shit. <laughs> And especially against especially against a team with two like ruining AOE alts. Yep. Being in Roche Pit is just so dangerous. When there's all that money on the line, you'd think they would have been more cautious too, but I guess it's just one of those in the moment things. I'm sure they're kicking themselves over it still. Right. I mean, even if uh Aoi got in with Naga Siren and like and song songed on them, like mm-hmm. they could have gotten in they didn't even need the blink dagger. They could have just walked in a place that they needed to. Nope, but, you know, I don't know how many blank daggers were actually on the on C Dex team. I don't either. One thing I do know is like it was funny to like look at Reddit after all this stuff, and there like there's been all this drama because Owie was going <laughs> off EG and Arteezy's going back, and Arteezy's yeah. talking shit about uh, what's that guy's name again? Kuroko from yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't even follow that stuff. It's just watching Owie get like kicked out like a week after he won, like. <laughs> The the tournament of Dota, like I feel like he gave valid reasons. The team captain PPD, like, they did like a week later. Yeah, they did. They let the drama stew or steep, and and then they were like, "This is bordering on on you know like defacement of our team." Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. Isn't Arteezy a huge douche? Uh, they say he's a huge douche, like, on his, uh, streams, but he's actually a really nice guy in real life, so I don't know. It's hard to say, right? Yeah. You get the internet personality, and you get the real person. He's really cute, too. Like, who do you think the hottest, uh, player in TI5 was? I don't really know. I don't know. Dendi's yep. uh, Dendi's kind of adorable looking. Yeah. I, I don't know if I find any of them necessarily, like, strictly hot. I'd let PPD put it in me. I'll tell you that. <laughs> who was uh, who was it? it? Was like Fly, Fly Fanatic. Yeah, I don't Is know why you keep looking was? at me like I would know the answer. Hold on, let me let me search this. I'm gonna be like Fly Fanatic. Fear is also really cute. No, it's not Fly. I'm thinking of someone else completely. But yeah. like somebody who isn't even wasn't even in TI5. I don't even know if he professionally plays Dota anymore. But it was like. Uh, some Israeli kid, very hot. I feel weird with this because like half the kids who play in these tournaments are like eighteen. Oh yeah, it's true. Like you gotta <laughs> be very careful about admitting things. But it was a good tournament though. Like I, I we actually watched some of it, some of it at uh, Kevin's board game night. So so I wasn't around for TI three, or if I was, I didn't care enough at the time to like really 
get into it, but TI4 in comparison was a snooze fest. Really? Did you watch TI4? No. Oh man, it was the year of the death ball meta. Like, and this wasn't even like Lestric wasn't even the death ball yet. It was just like Death Prophet surrounded by who knows what else. Mm-hmm. And like every fucking pub had a Death Prophet who was like, I hate Dota the game. I just want to win. <laughs> I like numbers on my screen that are next to these letters that say W. Right. Every fucking, every fucking uh, pub match, and it's, just, and then they changed those. Uh, they made those glyph changes to the towers such that outer towers reflect refresh the glyph when they fall. Yeah. And so it just took her too long to actually break base and make any money for her team. Whereas Leshrick, whose whose tower killing ability is on a thirty second cooldown, it didn't affect him. Yeah. And he suddenly rose to power. Along oh. with his lightning, his lightning bow. is so hot right now. Like he was actually banned forty-two times in Ti Five. I read. So. Listen, I'm a fucking Dota hipster. I played Leshrick when he. Was, everyone was like, "He's a shittier version of Death Prophet," and I was like, <laughs> "No, no, he's not. He is completely different. He is actually a better version of Death Prophet, in my opinion." Well, actually, he doesn't. He doesn't serve the same like umbrella protecting properties. But do you play any Dota, Mike? Uh, no. <laughs> Do you watch any Dota? No. Does any of this make sense to you? I mean, like, Connor and Jason tried to get me to play, and then I just... Yeah, this is true. And then I just was like, no. It's a steep learning curve. Um, you might start with Heroes of the Storm. Like, Jacob and all of them play it. So it's really accessible, I think. Connor doesn't like it, but... <laughs> uh, yeah, this is one of those things where um, it's, like, different approaches. I was I never even played League. Mm-hmm. And, like, I was, I tr- think I tried Dota back ages ago, like, once, and I was like, I'm going to play fucking Puck. <laughs> and then I hated myself, and I didn't touch it again for years. And then now I'm, like, <laughs> I played, and I'm like, I'm going to master Invoker. And rather than actually being good at Invoker, it's just one of those things where I was a low enough bracket that I would, like, spam all my abilities, and the opposing team would just continue to try and run at me. Yeah. And having ten spells, it was just, like... You're dead. <laughs> I wave my arms and you're dead. I yak on the keyboard and you're dead. Dota is just like, there's so many tiny things and just a single change can propagate so hard. Yep. Um, that, like, the small change to Bloodstone, changing it from, I forget what its previous recipe even was, but it, I think it had a Perseverance as a set of Soul Ring. Yeah. Then adding Soul Ring made it so much more accessible for so many more characters. And Soul Ring, which used to build into nothing because it was such a powerful starting item. Mm-hmm. Like, it used to be like uh, Medallion also be, used to be the same way. You'd get it early because it has a very strong initial benefit. But of course, it was 800 wasted gold later. Yeah. Um, so I never really bought it myself. But small changes like that made Bloodstone viable on so many more characters and made things easier for, like, Timbersaw, even though Timbersaw is, like, not in the meta anymore. Right. Um, but stuff like that just rolls through, and Leshrick, Leshrick, who builds, he's like, he needs to be in the middle of combat. So the items he builds are all health pool items. Health pool and mana, like, your two big items are Bloodstone, which existed before, and then the new Octarine core. So, like, if he goes mid, the two things he builds, he starts with Bloodstone and then he builds Octarine Core. Maybe some other items like Yules for survival, maybe Blink Dagger if you need the mobility. Um, 
I really love Blink Dagger. I don't see anyone ever build it, but it's really fun to like blink on top of someone and then land a massive stun and have your ult on the whole time. Um, Landing a stun is pretty hard to do, is the annoying thing about that, though. Except in laning phase, when your opponent is melee, and like they run up, and you're like, you're going for a creep, I'm going to nail you. And then lightning, and then Light. just like right-click you three times. It's it's great in laning phase. Yeah. It's a shame the Abyssal Blade's not accessible to him, because then you'd have that stun for like two seconds, and then you could, you you know, chain his stun. But it's yeah, not- Abyssal Blade is already like... Considering it goes through BKB, like it's its own thing. It needs to be as expensive as it is and as niche as it is. Yeah, it it provides like almost zero survivability. It's really a I want to hop on top of you and murder you item. The, that's why like anti mage buys it as his hop item. on top of you. Yeah, like, you know, anti mage those big muscles and like oh. he brings his two his two pals along and it's just pounce. You know, it's not mana he's slurping up. It's... Yeah. <laughs> Purity of will. Oh, definitely. This guy's pure. Very cool. pure. So who do you think was the most successful player in TI5? I don't know how to sit. I don't know how to like even analyze that, honestly. I think a lot of it comes from team synergy. Yeah. Um, being in the right places at the right times and not making stupid fucking decisions. I can't even remember what game it was. But there was, like, their dire, there was, like, five of them at bottom tower, and two of them were hanging out in the trees, and they are like, we're going to turn this around on them. And the opposing team was already snowballing, and they just, like, they brought a third in, but it was like, you're never going to fucking defend this tower. Go somewhere else and farm. <laughs> it was like, I, it, I don't want to pretend I know any more than these guys do, but there was sometimes where I was looking at this, and I was, like, screaming at the television. I was like, don't be a fucking moron. <laughs> but, I don't know. Like... Individual players, I think their contributions are less important than their coherent total. I think you could say that's generally true. I just feel like, you know, certain teams or certain... Who do you think? Who do you think qualifies as the MVP of TI5? I didn't really see enough matches to make a valid decision, to be honest. Like, you I, just I said you watched all the main event matches. <laughs> yeah, I did, but like, I mean, like the, the, the other matches, right? Like, I think those also contribute to, like, the people that made it to the main event. Right. Like, I, I feel like I don't know. You miss out on some perspective, but it was definitely tiny in the ten on ten match. Yeah. Yeah, obviously. That was so good, and that tech, <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Oh man, I really want to play that. I hope they like they it isn't out yet, right? It's been several it's, weeks. It's out. It's out. Yeah. Oh, it first... just must be in Reborn, right? Yeah, it's in Reborn. Okay, I got it. I got to go check that out. Reborn actually has some pretty fun uh, mini games. Like I, we should actually get on and play sometime. So um, I read that they like. Re- so I was going to say this. They redid the uh, tutorials in Reborn, and they're mm-hmm. much more dynamic and active rather than in the original game where it was like they plop you down on a map. Um, and they have like a parrot talk at you and your Dragonite or whatever. And it's like, last hit this creep, you'll get gold. Like they actually plop you down in a bot match. And it's like a highly choreographed bot, bot match. But they'll be like notes that come up telling you, okay, you should buy this item. And they give you the option of Lena, Luna, uh, and who's a strength character? It might have been DK. I don't think it was though. Um, and they give like, they say level this skill. Um, and I believe uh, I was reading this off of Rock Paper Shotgun, one of my favorite websites. Um, and I think Philip Awar 
is the woman who does like all these reviews. I love her, by the way. Um, and she was saying like it was hit or miss in terms of like they would sometimes explain why they wanted you to get an item. Like uh, if you're Lena, grab Yule's Yule staff so that like you can land your two second stun. And mana regen. Sometimes, yeah, and mana regen. But like, and sometimes they would like completely not. <laughs> and she yeah. was saying it was a bit spotty, but like considering reborns in beta, there's time for it to fi be fixed. Yeah, and what also sucks about playing reborn is not many people play it at all. So you'll get in queue for something, you just get stomped by like really good people. Like, yeah. you know. <laughs> I really, for the moment, only play like the weird game modes in it. Have you played uh, Legends of Dota? Uh, I haven't played that one. I played the IMBA one, though. That's really fun. We'll play the Legends one. It's like a ability draft, but you get to choose basically everything. And sometimes you have, like, more than four abilities. It's great. Okay. Yeah, that'd be fun. A lot of games are getting ported to uh, Xbox now. And I think mm -hmm. that's because Microsoft is doing a lot of, like, cross-synergy kind yep. of between Windows, especially with Windows 10 yeah. and the Xbox. Um, mm -hmm. I know Kerbal Space Program, which I love. I am... To death and back uh a huge fan of kerbal space program and they made an announcement they are i think giving it to a third-party company the actual development or at least the porting um but they are developing a branch which is going to move ksp to xbox one and i was like i don't know how that's gonna work i have <laughs> enough trouble like trying to build stuff with my keyboard <laughs> and all those buttons um well, but it's cool. But they have the new attachment now for Xbox controllers. That's a full QWERTY keyboard. <laughs> not really? That, yeah, not that that would be like practical to use as a controller for that. I feel like, but is it an attachment that is like a keyboard, or is it? No, like, it's a physical. It's like with your pinkies. Or I whatever? don't know. I think it's like thumb. It's like it's like a size of like a BlackBerry keyboard that like is in between the texting uh, yeah <laughs> it's like you're texting on your controller. That sounds heinously awful, but I guess if you're gonna yeah, I guess sort of. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like with game, like they're doing. Have you ever played Zombie for Wii U? I I did. Yeah. So like you know how like Wii U has its special kind of controlling. They're porting that to Xbox One too, and I just I can't imagine how complicated it's going to be on Xbox One because of the different control style. Yeah, they're gonna have to like switch the camera or something, or I don't know. I mean, they figure out a way to do this though. Yeah. They, I mean, they can change it. I mean, like the game like tried to center around using that controller but you could definitely rework it to not have to require the controller yeah i mean that that was the thing that a lot of games that were made for wii u kind of i mean with the exception of maybe like nintendo land pretty much everything that uses the controller didn't absolutely have to have the controller like i mean maybe the game required it but if they reworked the mechanics like just slightly they could have been fine without using the controller so here's the question are we going to have shitty console ports the way we have shitty console to P to pc ports because <laughs> <laughs> you know what i'm talking about the games that are like great on uh on ps4 mm -hmm. or xbox or whatever and they move them to pc or even if they release at the same time i think mm -hmm. assassin's creed especially yeah notorious for this um just awful <laughs> And, you know, the, it's interesting, I think we've, this is the first I've really heard of sort of a wave of PC to Xbox ports. Mm -hmm. I mean, not that it's the first, but it certainly sounds like it's a lot more mainstream. 
Yeah, I we, think. Good. No, I was just I, I was just going to say that I think it is largely due to Microsoft really trying hard to make it as easy as possible for developers to port over and like, yeah, they're sneaky. Yeah. But you heard that they ported Final Fantasy VII to iOS, right? Like, do you imagine trying to control that from an iPhone? Like, yeah, the concerns. And with they're that. charging fifteen dollars for it. Well, they can do it because people will pay for yeah. it. Again, that that is market analysis at work. <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. I mean, like a twenty-year-old game still charging it for fifteen dollars. Yeah, you know, twenty-year-old games which have impact. Like, yeah, when people think of like. Yeah twists and emotional like mm-hmm. gutting it's one of those games where like uh you know there's a huge like number of these historical games which like really want to do but i just don't have the time mm-hmm. i already have trouble as it is like i'm trying to get through fucking witcher and like i have this how do you like it by the way witcher mm-hmm. i'm only okay so here's how it worked i have one i have two and i have three all downloaded mm-hmm I've been playing one. Oh, you're playing the first one. Okay. It's good, but it's a slog. Hmm. But then I booted up the third one, and I started playing like the like little tutorial bit at the beginning, and it's so good. Yeah. And I'm like... It looks amazing. Like, I, the, the thing is, I, I think uh, someone else I know was playing it, and they said that they really liked it, but it was kind of glitchy. I don't know if that's... So I've heard, but yeah. they have been patching like mad crazy, and they've been fixing everything, and they've been adding new features mm-hmm. and all sorts of crap. It's a beautiful game. It's you need a PC computer to play it too, right? Like they were talking about all these little tweaks you have to make to make it look right, and yeah, it's for that. Do that eventually, but yeah, but it's kind of like I want to maintain the integrity of like going. Like I don't play Mass Effect and start with Mass Effect Three. Yeah, that's true. And I know Witcher is a, like it doesn't need you to play one and two, and it's not as relevant but at the same time i want to also because i wish to go through and be like i've had the full experience of all three and i see the failings like from a feminist perspective of one and two and whatever failings there might be in three and i want i wish to understand from like my own perspective what's going on blah blah blah. but i mean one is still objectively a good game it's not aged so well but considering that it doesn't age well it's definitely one of those games that like started off good yeah i mean to at the time yeah to me like witcher 3 looks like a game that it would age really well because it's realistic but also stylized in a way that you know i haven't I f- gotten that far as to understand that but but i just i mean, I mean just if you look at like the textures and the colors and right. like the way it's rendered it's rendered in a stylized it's manner really not beautiful yeah it's 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 like a painting as opposed mm-hmm. to like absolute realism where like it's not gritty it's not like right. skyrim you know it's it's not absolute gritty realism. It's realism with like a you know impressionist like filter. You know, right? And I think the real question with where games can actually survive the test of time has a little bit less to do with graphics, like writ all, and more to do with story. It's like, definitely story. Yeah, Deus Ex. I mean, people even play like they. And again, well, I mean, I guess also mechanics too. Yeah. As, but even less so. It's really the story. And it's not even, like, the nitty-gritty of the story. It's kind of, like, the impression the story leaves with you afterwards. And I think a lot really, of people... But, I mean, like, there's so many games that, like, are not story-driven and are, you know, st- still age pretty well. I mean... Do you have a good example? I mean, like, almost any Nintendo game. Like, there's like no Mario story. Tennis? There's, like, no story at all. No. <laughs> <It's so cool. laughs> no, like, there's just no story. Salty. 
there's like yeah there's no story in them right so Final Fantasy 7 its best feature was its story right. Right. so but even there I would say like when you play a game especially after like 10 years there's this nostalgic filter yeah and like playing Donkey Kong 64 when I was a kid I fucking love that game right Playing Donkey Kong 64 now is like pulling your teeth out. <laughs> you're just, there's so many little things, even mm-hmm. where the buttons are on the controller. You're like, this should not be a Z button press. I don't even, yeah. Yeah, 64 had Z button. The Z- the it should be a shoulder button. The 64 had a terrible controller. The six, yeah. Nintendo 64 had it. What? It was like completely different from any controller you'd ever had before. Remember that? Like how SNES and Sega. Right. It's, it's yeah. It was a period of time where like they were still iterating through making things comfortable. Like they haven't even nailed that perfectly. Like PlayStation Four, that controller is about as ergonomic as it gets. But even then, like you have to go through not only there being like like first person shooters at the time of N sixty four didn't even have um, two joystick look. Right. And the N sixty four didn't have a second joystick to account for that. It just had the C buttons, C right, buttons, and then the yeah. D pad. Yeah. So well, <laughs> like, you have to go through complete evolutions in gaming before you even have a controller that makes sense for it. Right. Man, the spiral. <laughs> like after playing a real like shooter on Xbox 360 or anything like that, like it's just so hard to go back. Right, which this comes back to what I was sort of saying is like for a game to make sense 10, 15, I, I don't know, even 20 years mm-hmm. later, um, it's less to do I think with mechanics and more to do with like the story um, and sort of the impression that leaves. And that also gets filtered through nostalgia. I think a lot of people replaying Final Fantasy VII might be like, oh, this is a little weirder than I remember it being, maybe. But like Deus Ex is a big one. Like the at the time, the way they designed all of these decisions to matter were huge. But then going back and playing it now as like somebody who's aged a bit and played games where like, you kind of can play the game and be like, oh, uh, you know, it's actually just working off of like simple triggers. If I go here, it assumes I did the nonviolent route. If I go there, it assumes I did the violent route, etc. <laughs> so like, again, I'm pulling from Rock, Paper, Shotgun. They were like, they did a piece where they went through and played it. Um, and they were saying like, I went through and I knocked out everyone. I didn't kill a single person, but I walked in through like the door that you usually have to shoot people to go through. And the game was like, Oh, you killed everybody. You know, it's, it's just like simple triggers like that. Like, if here, then that. And, like, gaming has gotten a lot more complex since then. Not necessarily in its tools, but in, like, the development team size. That these things get, like, hugely complex or abstracted or whatever. And, like, games really have to nail a message in order to survive this sort of evolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think. I don't know prove me wrong with like an example i'm sure there's plenty that proved me wrong here but in in general i feel like that's the better route to immortality in the history of gaming yeah, yeah. I'm, go ahead john i feel like a better rupert like you're you brought up donkey kong but like are they remaking donkey kong like as it was like they're not really doing that at all right it's something you remember from your childhood because that was a game you played all the time. Like Street Fighter 2, for instance. You know, I love that game. I grew up playing that, but I would never go back and seriously play that now. Like, I have Street Fighter 4, which is so much better. <laughs> yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, like, 
something like a simple platformer like Mario kind of stands the test of time just because it's so simplistic. And yeah. I mean, that's why they're like playing off of that success now with Super Mario Maker. You know, I think a really good example that sort of like kills what I was saying, SimCity. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine the number of people that'd be like, I would never play the current SimCity, but are like, SimCity 3 or whatever, like, give me that shit back. <laughs> like, it, that's definitely a game that's all about game design. Yeah, and there's nothing to do with story. Right. There you go. So there's there are multiple routes. Yeah. The ones that I most associate with, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, I, I do really, I really connect with games that have, like, a really engaging story and engaging characters. Like, you know, something that is similar to an experience that you'd have with a movie, but almost even more engrossing because yeah. you're controlling it and a part of it and sort of manipulating it even though you are going basically down a linear path yeah yeah y'all hear about hitman movie being like you know one of the most reviewed video game movies of all time speaking of (laughs) movies oh hitman have you like you've looked at any of the reviews at all like it has zach quinto and i would have seen it for him you know maybe (laughs) i haven't actually myself seen anything I don't know. My association with Hitman has always been like that weird commercial with all the nuns. Yeah. And I'm like, I just. That's all I know. That's all I know about it really is the nuns. <laughs> it's no. not, it's not necessarily that like maybe all of them are representative of that, but I just, I don't know enough about it. So they didn't have you at nuns? You know, nuns, not quite my thing. Sister Act? I mean, wasn't that like one of your uh, growing up movies? As far as you'd be a physicist? Nah, nah, I can't say it was. (laughs) I think that there's a lot of video game and movies that are coming out recently. What's another one? Uh, Blood Rain. (laughs) Five Nights at Freddy's. They're making a movie out of that? Yes, we talked about it on our previous podcast. Oh man, I I only ever played the second one. The second (laughs) Five Nights at Freddy's. Or maybe it was the third, I'm not sure. I don't understand how, like... It's not about the story, really. I mean, yeah, it's a little creepy, and it has like some sort of backstory, but it's mostly just jump scare. Yeah. It's mostly just about jump scares. Yeah, and it, and the success of it was largely due to people I'm... making videos of themselves playing the game, and everyone wanted to love. Like everyone was like, "Oh my gosh, this game must be amazing!" Because I'm watching all these videos of like, you know, PewDiePie or whatever. You know, because like that's that's well, like that's, now, yeah. yeah, that's like modern like marketing tactics are now like basically youtube stars or you know whatever people like reacting to games so like five nights at freddy's is one of those games where you're gonna get a big reaction so have you played it i sort of that game that game looking at it in my like steam bar Mm -hmm. just sitting there as a name like makes my heart my heart go up like a few beats per minute and i just i'm like i try and play it and, like, I get through day one, which is, like, nothing happens. Mm-hmm. And it only makes day two more stressful. <laughs> and it's not it's not fundamentally scary. Like, mm-hmm. nothing... I am not an easily scared person. Like, I am wary. I can get very tense at situations. But nothing usually makes me jump out of my chair. I go, I go see scary movies. I'm usually bored. Um, but Five Nights at Freddy's... I don't know. It's just like the perfect execution of jump scare. And I usually think jump scare is shitty. Mm. But it just... 
I think it has a lot to do with the fact that it's not just jump scare so much as it is resource management tied into jump scare. Like you can prevent any one thing from jumping out at you or you can at least predict it, mm-hmm. but there's not enough time to predict everything. And that's what makes it stressful. It's kind of like, it's it's like any scary movie where like your flashlight's dying and you can look down one hallway or the other, but you don't have time to look down both. Did you say that's the scariest game you've ever played, or? I would say, judging by how I viscerally react to it, yes. <laughs> and I love games like, uh, I don't know if Fear really counts as a scare game, but it did have jump scares. Deep like, Space, that was kind of a really... Deep Space? Where you start off like on a spaceship and you like actually can't shoot anybody, you just like gotta huddle around in the dark and there are these things chasing you and... It's kind of hard. Like, I never got to play it to completion, but... That kind of reminds me of, like, Amnesia and then the uh, the other one, which is Aliens, the one where she's on a space station mm-hmm. and she's, yeah. like, avoiding things. And, like, I can see that as being stressful, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't really be scared, you know? If I can see where something's coming from and predict it and, like, games really stress me out when, like, something sneaks up behind me and then kills me. Right. Yeah. And I never see it coming. And it's just like, you're dead. That's it. That stresses me out. And Five Nights at that's Freddy's is that for, always. Well, that's why I hate first-person games, to be honest. I just never... But even with first-persons, you can just look behind you most of the time. And you're like, just check behind you, and you're good. <laughs> Five Nights at Freddy's, there's all that shit going on. And then you have to, like, like wind up the box or whatever. And if you don't wind up the box, like you're going to die for sure. <laughs> It's just, I, I, I just, I think, like, that unique intersection between not being able to watch all of your, like, all of your hallways, and one of them is going to kill you, but you're not sure which one. Would you say the music also kind of, like, makes it more scary, too? Like, it has an effect on you? I think the aesthetic does. Uh-huh. Like, the sort of, like, you're looking through grainy, like, videos at, like, dark corridors. And, like, you can see something, but it's not always clear if what you see is what you're looking for. Like, they might be in a corner, but, like, it might be, like, their tail, or you're like, oh, that looks kind of like a pillow or, like, some small plush animal. And then sometimes you look in a, in a video thing, and it's, like, just, like, the open, gaping maw. And then also, like, the, you read the backstory that it's based off of that's completely unrelated to the game, <laughs> and you're like, this really stresses me out. My roommate... Conrad, he watched me playing the first time and he just laughed the whole time. And he was like, this is funny. This is fucking hilarious. They all just look so goofy. Like, how could this game possibly stress you out? And then I read to him, like, the Wikipedia page about, like, the incident in the Chuck E. Cheese or whatever that makes the game's backstory. And, like, he looked at me in the eyes and he was like, how could you do this to me? never play that game again and he's like now it's not fun <laughs> and i was like yeah it never was fun <laughs> i mean it was fun but it was it was never like it was fun in that absurd masochistic way right it's an experience right yeah and i really can't trade in that fact that i look at it and i'm like i could never complete that game i don't understand how people play like how many versions are out now like five four mm. oh they just released the fourth one, I think. Yeah, I think it's it was just the last one. Like three are in the like Chuck E. Cheese equivalent, and then the last the one is like at home, yeah, or whatever. Um, and you're like a kid. You're like the kid. Yeah. 
and you're like in your room and you're like shining your flashlight at them see yeah or something i don't know i think that's it like because it's been like a there have been a few games recently that follow this whole like not only are you at home and like your personal space is being violated but you're like two feet tall and a toddler (laughs) like (laughs) like you're helpless and helpless like doubly doubly screwed I don't know. I guess I just, maybe the game is just tailored specifically to a person like me, but it gets me to the core. It looks like a cool game. Like, I've watched it being played. I never got to play it myself. Oh, there's your mistake. Okay, now I understand. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm telling you, just buy buy any one of the, like, first three. I don't know about the fourth, but the first three. Yeah. I used to love, like, Silent Hill and Resident Evil. I know they're nothing like that, but I love survival horror type games. There's kind of a difference between horror games. Like, there's a difference between games which scare you and games which are horror games. I don't know if you ever played, like, Fear, First Encounter, Assault Recon, or whatever. And, like, it had scary parts where, like, you'd be running along with your teams and then your teams would, like, instantly disintegrate into blood or whatever. And -hmm. it was like, that was, like, disturbing. But it wasn't really scary. Right. Like, I don't really find Silent Hill either really that scary. It's just, you know, it's stressful more than it is scary for me because you have something chasing you and you're afraid you're going right. to die so you can't save, but I don't know. Or you're like, I know this deck next door has, like, at least a 30% chance of having a zombie when I try and open it, but you already know it's going to. Yeah. As opposed to, like, a continuous state of, like, there's nothing I can do. There's something could happen at any moment. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish they'd like made another Eternal Darkness. Like the idea for that, like it wasn't really a scary game. It's just like something I lump into that category that you're talking about. Like the sanity gauge that they added was really cool, and they never really did do anything after the GameCube with that. That's one of those games that was big, like interface screw, right? Yeah, yeah. That that can also be used to like great effect. Mm-hmm. Did you ever play Eternal Darkness, Michael? No, I rarely play like horror games or survival games. Too, too much heart palpitations. Yeah, right? too, too much too much stress. Like mm-hmm. To me, it's like, games are like my stress relief. It's just like, I don't want to play a stressful game. Yeah. I understand. There are certain games where I, I feel like the emotion, I play it not because it's fun or anything, but because it just like stimulates you in a way that you don't normally get stimulated. Yeah. I'm waiting for like some sort of joke here, guys. Come on, I'm feeding you shit. <laughs> Maybe it's too obvious. Like I'm yeah, not gonna no. have a ball. <laughs> <laughs> but like, the, especially getting you to be scared of your like 30 inch monitor is difficult. Yeah. And I, I for any game to pull that off is kind of impressive. Also, if you're playing in the daytime, that sort of, you know, mutes some of the scariness factor. So, I mean, you have to be in the right, you know, sort of setting when you're playing the game. Even, like, Home Alone, that'll amplify. Oh, yeah. Home Alone can do it. Yeah. If your home is, like, your boyfriend's around, your roommate's there playing Dota in the corner, like, (laughs) it's it definitely mitigates it, but some games somehow power through and still get that fear factor going. Oh, yeah, definitely, for sure. So, um... Recently, Cities Skylines released, uh, or did they have it? Have they released it yet, or is it coming soon? 
the update. It's coming soon. I think it's, coming it's late soon. September. Okay, but they announced mid September. They announced an update to City Skylines where they include a day night cycle. Which is interesting because as of right now, City Skylines each day is what, like a second? No, not as fast. But if it's, you're going on three times speed, it may be like five seconds. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's quick. It's very It might fast. be a second at three times speed. Yeah, I think it is at like three times speed. Because you go like a month a minute maybe? A month a, okay. Yeah, that sounds better, faster. It's fast. The yeah. point is this. Like the little simulation you see where a car leaves a place and then drives somewhere else. It takes like a it, week. It, it, no, it probably takes like a month maybe a quarter of a year it takes a while yeah because you see like everything moves at regular speed but But the days tick by fast enough for like budget to not be an issue like you make money fast enough that you're balancing budgets right at the same time watching a car drive from like one block to the next yeah and and it's it goes by fast enough that you can like see actual change happen you know otherwise if it was going like at real time you know or close to real time it would obviously you wouldn't be able to play the game the so one of the big arguments, and this this played out again on Reddit, and Michael and I actually had a disagreement here. We did. Um, <laughs> about the... So the big argument was, should the game expand into doing day-night cycles, or should it do seasonal cycles? Mm-hmm. Now, the benefit to seasonal cycles is that, you know, you could see some reflected change while still matching up with the in-game clock that it gives you on the bottom left of the screen. Mm-hmm. Um so like you know snow would come and maybe for like a few minutes or whatever the cars would slow down and there would be traffic issues and then you would go to spring or whatever like rain rain or you know other things tornadoes or whatever weather weather issues so you'd have visual changes as well as whatever tourists maybe like tourists more tourists in the summer and spring and you know kids like school more school activity during the you know like the schools would actually close and then you know have school activity during you know the fall and so that that was one interesting suggestion and then i was a proponent of the concept of like it should be a day night cycle which you just wanted it because you just wanted to see your city the city at night which i, I argue a lot of reasons well but yeah but that was the main reason which i i agree it would look cool but i just felt like there should just be a day night toggle just basically what theme do you want do you want to see it at night or do you want to see it during the day because it seemed impossible to me to actually have it have a day night cycle when a month is like a couple minutes right so in real time like you know so so personal motivations aside um I it'd think be like a strobe light if it was actually if it was playing by actual days yes. yeah um so the, the question was like is it justified in a game to disentangle the uh the sort of flow of time and flow of time that you perceive when you're looking at the screen versus what the time the game says it is and you know there's there's different theories on it i personally said like you know it already takes cars a month to drive from the airport to you know (laughs) the loading dock that they're going to drop off their their like whatever their supplies or their people um people don't usually go to loading docks um, that's how long it takes me to get to the airport sometimes. To you know, <laughs> which one? Which one, uh, right? Reagan, uh, yeah, they get down 395. It's just oh, God. That's, that is the mistake, is driving to Reagan. Yeah, well. But, so, I, it's, I am a big fan of when games do away with certain things that are unnecessary, what I perceive to be 
unnecessary restrictions. Um, and I felt like it was completely kosher to, um, and we don't know technically how they've done this. Yet. Right. Like they may have, they may have said, okay, we're going to take the time clock and slow it way down and just like make taxes be weird in some other way. Um, so they might have made other adjustments. We don't know how this has played out, but I'm okay with the concept of like time just sort of being an abstract number in the corner, but also like the day-night cycle being independent from that. I mean, yeah, I mean, you have a point in that they've already sort of done it by having cars and people move around at a pace that's different from the time. Reality, yeah, you yeah, just see so, them zip by if you did. Yeah, and I mean... Uh, I, I, my, the problem is if they slowed down the clock, I mean, you wouldn't be able to see any changes happen, really. I mean, like... In terms of buildings being Yeah, made. buildings wouldn't have... You know, you, you, you could So it's a simulator, but you can't be perfect in every way. Right, exactly. Right? I mean, it it's a game. It's, it's, a, it's a game. It's right. not, you know, a perfect simulation. It's not a real-world simulation. It's, you know, a simulation game. Right. It is a great game. It is. Let's be clear. It is. Um, Although I, I argue, like, I got kind of a little tired of it, not because I didn't think it was a good game, but I felt like it didn't have enough depth. Like, I felt like Cities, their Cities games had too much depth. Like Cities in Motion? Yeah, Cities in Motion, that's it. Yeah. It felt like it had way too much depth, where you had to, like... Nitpick set, every tiny like, thing. set the bus schedule exactly right. You had to, like, turn, like, make it, like, start, you know, at certain times and adjust... Just so that, you know, people get to their place, you know, their work on time, that sort of thing. Sean, have you played any of these games? I haven't, but I was reading about the new expansion, how crime increases at night. I think that kind of might actually make me get into it. Like, so my problem is that I burned out in that kind of game when I was playing The Sims, like maybe The Sims 4 or something. Like, <laughs> you get to this point. What type of game are you referring to specifically? The one where, like, you just build your houses and you... You know, decorate your garden and all. <laughs> right. You know, I could be doing this in real life. That's so Sims, the... not Sim City. Yeah, the Sims. Uh, yeah, Sims. But I played Sim City, like the old ones for SNES too, and those were fun. But I just kind of burned out, you know. Like... Yeah. Yeah, it's it's it takes like a unique form of motivation to. Yeah. It's kind of like, I don't know. I the, the closest I could say is probably like building a garden, where like you know you're not going to get any tangible benefit from it. Right. But yeah. just, like, the process of creative work yeah. is your only reward. Right. Jason Jason loves it again. Like, yeah. he, he will spend forever optimizing his, his cities. <laughs> and, like, if there is a traffic jam, he will fucking eliminate that shit. His, his people do not delay anything. Like, he's obsessive about it. Me, I'm like, oh, that's fascinating. If I just add this one little road, like, it cascades and causes issues here, here, and here. Yeah. Like, I find, I find the development of pathologies to be fascinating <laughs> in my cities. And, like, my people will, like, whole sections of my city will be burned out. I'm like, wow, what is causing that? Mm -hmm. And I love, I love the game for, like, that in-depth level of sim simulation. I think they have, like, 40,000 independent units that they're simulating, um, which, like, people gave them crap because, like, these giant cities had like 40,000 people in them. It's like, this is like New York. It should probably have several like million people in it. Mm -hmm. And the game, the thing was, they like the number, the population number in the corner is exactly the number of units that they're simulating and it maxes out at 40,000. So, like, that's an impressive thing to simulate. And the amount of 
Um, I mean, it's just am- you can like follow each person individually. You can like, I-, I mean, you can zoom right in and like follow one person if you wanted right. to, and it would they would follow like a regular schedule. Like you can see. And the amount of emergent behavior that comes out of, like, things like traffic jams. Yeah, traffic is, like, the most impactful thing in the game. Which which makes sense, given that they're cities in motion game. Like, that is their jam. Yeah, they love traffic. That's, like, their one... I they're mean, Germans, they're, they're, right? No, they're... Uh, I think they're Swedish. Swedish. They're okay. either Swedish or they're Dutch, I think. From from that part of the world. Right, where, where, like... where like, public transportation is, like, a huge deal. Like, that's, like... We should have more of them here. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Our public transportation is terrible. Oh, yeah, it's America. What do you even... Yeah, like... I mean, you're, we're, our, we're on a limited schedule because Connor has to catch our public transportation before it closes. Right. At 12, mind you, on a weeknight. Like, how does anybody that has to work in the city really get around that doesn't have a car? Yeah, this is assuming I don't get, like, knifed on my way home. Oh, yeah, you better watch out for that. Like, yeah, there's, there's been a, there has been, in fact, a crime spike, at least in terms of what I have been following. There's been a spike in various violent crimes near metro stations. So. Mm-hmm. Did you hear about that DJ that got stabbed even though he gave the person the money? Yeah, and then there was the other person that got knifed, and there was the other person that got shot, and then there was a the person like the GW stop that they yep. got knifed. I was like, what the fuck is going on? But yeah, that's that's neither here nor there. I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, Did y'all ever play Roller Coaster Tycoon? That was probably like one of my last like serious simulator type game stuff. So, so here's the fascinating. I loved yeah. Roller Coaster Tycoon. Who doesn't love Roller Coaster Tycoon? I don't Tycoon? know. I love like that's. I really want like a, a really good like simulation like challenging game again. Like, but like similar to I want, I want like just like a new Roller Coaster Tycoon that's like really good. Like, a yeah. really good version of it. So, I think one of the things that we learned from the City Skylines when it came out is there is a difference between simulator games and sim games. Mm-hmm. Like, Sim City, right? Sim Cruise, like, Roller Coaster Tycoon. These were all games where the management factor, like, you need to watch your budget, you need mm-hmm. to watch your spending, and then, like, a disaster will come along and screw with everything. And... That is very much not the same as City Skylines, right. which is like you get to you get to a point in the game like you can get to a point during the game forty minutes in where like your city will run itself and you can just like leave and come back to a whole ton of money mm-hmm. and like it it's more of like a creative work of art I think was a yeah. saying earlier and but it's also and also like if you make a mistake in your design you realize like the whole infrastructure of your city it's well, it's it'll like propagate and collapse the whole thing yeah like you, you there's like it's not like an easy fix it's not like you could, like in roller coaster tycoon or something you could just if like there was a traffic jam you could just build another path around it and, it'd be and like it. it'd be fine like no big deal but like this like each traffic intersection like has to be you know, right at the right angle too. Like if if this the turn is too sharp or whatever, then it's yeah, there are, there are weird changes in the traffic logic. Yeah, so I love it, mm-hmm. but it's also like if you've ever played um, like the online SimCity that came out before Maxis died. <laughs> um, if you've ever played with like, I'm gonna say a couple of them are Korean or Chinese names. But, like, they will go for, like, max efficiency cities, like, honeycomb roads, and, like, everything is perfectly designed. And I'm like, this is impressive, but also, like, I don't know. I don't know why you're doing this. It kind of seems like you're min-maxing a game. <laughs> like, 
and I, I mean, I get that kind of like in RPGs, but I don't necessarily understand that in management sims. And that's just like, that's somebody else's best way to play their game. Um, but if you min-max City Skylines, you get nothing for it. Like, you're just going to get a whole bunch of money. Like, in the, you'll, your city will look like whatever, but that's that's one thing. Whereas in management sims, like, if you make a mistake, you have to, like, pay attention to it and you have to fix it. And the game won't let you rest. And I think that sort of management simulator has died with the decline of Maxis. And it's, it's, I have yet to see a game in, like, the past few years except this Sim Cities mm-hmm. 5, 4, which one four. was it? I think four. it was 4, right? That, like, everyone hated because of right. its nefarious online, online features. But, like, Maxis owned that genre, plus whoever develops Roller Coaster Tycoon. I don't think that was Maxis. No, that don't think so but like that genre of game which everyone thought was like the simulation genre is kind of in a point of i would say hibernation yeah i know that there are some like roller coaster games that are coming out soon but we'll see how they do i just kind of wish that they what they've done with that was they made this like more of like a real world thing where you could play with other players and you buy a plot of land or you buy a city and you do your own thing, and then you have other people's cities nearby. Are you saying this about City Skylines? Yeah, I kind of wish. Is that what they did? They chose very specifically to avoid that design decision totally. I, because I, they, I think they realized that with Maxis and SimCity 4, like, the always online feature dominated all of their decision making. And I mean, that kind of played in with their like heavy, like heavy-handed DRM poli- policies. Mm-hmm. Which is probably why everybody hated it. It wouldn't have been so bad if you could have played offline. Yeah. But at the same time, you if you decide to go online with that level of game, you have to design it from the ground up. I guess. You know? Well, maybe as an option, right? Not as a requirement. But yeah, they yeah. do have to design that around that. I but guess. anytime you budget a game, it's kind of like you say that you're going to do this and then somebody is going to say, this is the most important thing in the world to me. <laughs> And then they're going to rip you to shit for it. You yeah. Know? And so, like, I think uh, a lot of a lot of games suffer from this. I can think of off the top of my head, like, uh, No Man's Sky. Everyone yeah. got hype, hype, hype for it. And it's like, you got to realize it's a procedural generation game. It's not a space exploration game. That's, like, the theme in which it does. Mm-hmm. But but its its theme is procedural generation. Right. I am very interested to see how it does though. And I am excited for it. I am really. I am too. I'm not even. I'm not even overhyped for it. That's completely a different thing. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be great. Um, in the region in which it's aiming for, I don't right. think it'll be cool. Like I want to build my own spaceship. I don't even even can do that. I don't think you can. You can just upgrade your ship. Yeah, I think you find ships or whatever. Yeah, I think, and then you can like purchase upgrades and but it's not slightly. a it's not a game where you're like i want to have like a fleet of super carriers and fly yeah, around you can't just like, do anything like, right that's that's not the intention yeah like that's the intention of like star citizen but star citizen is a very highly tailored game in a restricted universe which isn't so much about exploration mm-hmm. so like you, you got to realize what you're looking out for i think okay so that's all for this week's episode thank you again connor and sean for joining me Thank you, Michael, and thank you, Sean. Uh, I had a wonderful time, and I look forward to coming back in the future, I think. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye, Mike. See you. Bye. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a review. Also, like us on Facebook. 
If you have any questions or comments, you can email us at thegamerspodcast at gmail.com.